Welcome everyone to another edition of CMO Speaks. Today, we'll be discussing the AFCON 2023 semifinals, but also we're going to try something new and discuss top five Moroccan diaspora that could have been essential to Morocco. By now you know, the finals will be Nigeria versus Ivory Coast. But first, I want to talk about one of the semifinal games, Nigeria versus South Africa. Nigeria lined up with a 3-4-3, while South Africa went with a very conservative 5-4-1. I'm not a fan of the 5-4-1 formation. I think it's coward ball. I think it's, it's showing a lot of cowardice. Um, why not just play 5-5? Have 11 behind the ball at all times if you feel that way. Uh, don't, don't try to attack. Don't try to do anything. But game didn't go that way. It was an incredibly chaotic first half with Nigeria attacking constantly, but the thin midfield opened them up for a counterattack by South Africa. At the 38th minute mark, Evidence Makopa missed a good opportunity that later down the line is going to bite him. Victor Osaman, African Player of the Year, earns a penalty at the 63rd minute mark that gets taken straight down the middle by William Truis de Kong. Truis de Kong was named in the Nigeria squad for the 2019 African Cup of Nations where he scored an 89th minute winner against South Africa to send his team through to the semi-finals where they eventually finished in third place. Around the 88th minute, Victor Osaman has a tap-in, near force-fed down his throat. He finishes it beautifully, and while he's celebrating, the referee begins to shift his attention to VAR. He gets called over, and the decision is now no Osman goal and a penalty for South Africa. The penalty is due to a foul in the box by a Nigerian defender, which is what kicked off the whole passage of play for Nigeria. Mokoene steps up for the PK with ice-cold nerves and takes it beautifully. The game goes into injury time, and at the 95th minute, Mudawo for South Africa can't find the back of the net in what would have been the kiss of death for Nigeria. The lack of clinical finishing gives Nigeria an extra 30 minutes of survival. South Africa proceed to lose defender Grant Kakena to a red card in extra time due to a foul on Taron Mofi right outside the box. Nigeria has them under constant pressure all extra time leading into the penalty shootout. South Africa lose their nerve in the shootout as the Nigerian keeper Stanley Nwabali saved pens from Mokoena and Evidence Makopa. Mokoena, who equalized for South Africa earlier, wishes that he could have carried some of those nerves over, but the extra time played fatigue, it has a toll on the body. Nigeria appear the strongest side left at the competition with the reigning African footballer of the year up front, Victor Osimhen. And the way Coach Jose has made them so strong defensively, even though they're pretty thin in the midfield. The three-time champions will face two-time champions, Ivory Coast, in the final on Sunday. My personal man of the match goes to Stanley Nwabali. Nerves of steel and ice cold. The next match I want to focus on is Ivory Coast versus DR Congo. Ivory Coast lined up with a 4-3-3, while Congo went with a 4-2-3-1 formation. The game starts off with a bit of back and forth until around the 35th minute mark when Sebastian Haller tries a ridiculous bicycle kick, but good for him. I'm happy that he's healthy and I'm glad that he can try things like that. Some good opportunities by Frank Cassier and Haller throughout the rest of the half, but it finishes scoreless. Coming into the second half, Haller's 65th minute goal seals the deal and guarantees that Ivory Coast will be going to the finals against Nigeria since Congo has failed to equalize thus far. At the 86th minute mark, Congo thinks they've equalized after Bakambu headers the ball in following a cheeky move by Mishak Alaya. After a review of the goal by VAR, it looks like it's not going to stand. Mishak Alaya toe-pokes the ball out of the keeper's hands, poking the keeper's hands as well. Ivory Coast's run at the tournament has been nothing short of spectacular, and interim coach Emer Sfei even describes their own performance so far as quote-unquote miraculous. The two-time champions are the first host country to reach the final of the Cup of Nations since Egypt did in 2006 
and the turnaround is absolutely incredible for a team that was on the edge of elimination in the group stage. They scraped through to the last 16 as the last of the four best third place teams. Does that make sense? The last 16 as the last of the four best third place teams. They then ousted reigning champion Senegal on penalties. Following their victory over Senegal, they then go on to beat Mali in the quarterfinals, down a man for most of the game. The winner in that match comes in extra time. They now go on to face Nigeria at the final. My man of the match goes to Sebastian Haller. Although he didn't have the prettiest of performances, he had the only goal of the game. And that, that must be rewarded by not only winning the match, but also me mentioning your name on this prestigious show. This next topic I want to go into is the top 5 diaspora players who don't play for Morocco that I think could have a major impact. The first one is Ibrahim Abdelkader Diaz, also known as Brahim Diaz of Real Madrid. Brahim was born in 1999 to a Spanish mother and a father with Moroccan ancestry. Brahim's already pretty well known due to his numerous accolades both in Italy and in Spain, but I do want to talk about his coming up. He always stood out for his technical ability, agility, and vision on the field. He joined the academy of his hometown club, Malaga, where he caught the attention of scouts from clubs across Europe. His impressive performance at the youth level earned him a move to Man City's academy in 2015, where he continued his development. During his time at Man City, Brahim quickly rose through the ranks, showcasing his flair and creativity on the pitch. Blessed with quick feet and excellent dribbling skills, he leaves defenders asking for his shirt, trying to chase him down. His versatility allows him to play across attacking midfield positions where he can then exploit spaces, create chances, and score goals, something Morocco desperately needs. Although facing stiff competition for a playing time in his city squad, Brahim managed to make a significant impact whenever given the opportunity. His impact was big enough to earn him a move to Real Madrid. At Madrid, Brahim once again found himself fighting an uphill battle for playing time. Madrid is filled with world-class players and breaking in can be a headache. He gets loaned out to Serie A, goes to AC Milan for a few years, and lights it up over there. Not always appreciated by the fans, but shows enough results to come back to Madrid. As he continues to mature and develop as a footballer, Brahim remains a player of immense potential. With only one senior appearance for Spain, Brahim has appealed to switch allegiances and play for Morocco. Although as yet to be seen, in October 2023, Marsa reported that Brahim had declared to represent Morocco with some administrative details related to change and nationality still needing to be resolved. Brahim's honors are as follows. With City, he's won a Premier League title, EFL, as well as an FA Cup. With Madrid, he's won a La Liga title, as well as a Supercopa. And lastly, with AC Milan, he won a Serie A title slash Scudetto. The second player on this list is none other than Lamine Yamel. Born in 2007 to a mother from Equatorial Guinea and a father from Morocco, that man is under a death row records contract with Barcelona. They signed him in the womb. They're going to play him until his dad needs to go to Casablanca and get a replacement for his legs. Lamine Yamal was born in July 2007. The top song in the world was Umbrella, Rihanna featuring Jay-Z. And the top three box office movies were Transformers, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and lastly, Ratatouille. Lamal made his first team debut on April 29, 2023, replacing Gavi in the 83rd minute and becoming the youngest player to ever appear for Barcelona's first team. He was 15 years, 9 months, and 16 days old. He won his first title with Barca in 2023, having been part of the squad that season. Yamal is a youth international for Spain, having played for the Spanish U15 and U16 squads in 2023. 
He represented Spain's U-17 side in the 2023 European Championship, where they were knocked out by France following a 3-1 defeat. In September of 2023, not only did Yamal become the youngest player for the Spanish national team, he became the youngest goalscorer for Spain as well. He was 16 years and 57 days, breaking both of Gavi's records who achieved the same feat but at 17. In addition to this, Yamal became the youngest goalscorer in a Euro qualifying match, overtaking Gareth Bale's record who scored at the age of 17 years and 83 days. A left-footed forward with excellent dribbling abilities, passing, and chance-creating abilities, Yamal is able to either play as a center forward, an attacking midfielder, or a winger, notably on the right flank, somewhere where an aging Ziyech could use a replacement. With his technical profile, he's been compared to Lionel Messi and Ansu Fati. I'm not a fan of those comparisons, but you never know. Although he will never play for Morocco, following Morocco's run in the 2022 World Cup, speculation came out that Yamal might switch to Morocco following pictures and videos of him wearing Morocco's jersey in the Barcelona locker room, as well as his father fueling that speculation on social media. The third player I want to talk about is Matteo Guendouzi. 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 How do you say it? Matteo Guendouzi. Born in 1999 to a Moroccan father, He's my personal favorite due to how problematic he is. You need life on the team. I know I always complain about head loss, but sometimes that one person who always has constant head loss during the club season will hold it down during international break. Ganduzi started his career at the Academy of PSG at the age of six. He left Paris to then go join Lorient's Academy in 2014. After representing the Lorient reserve team, he was promoted to the first team in 2016. He then made his senior big boy move to Arsenal. During his time at Arsenal, Guendouzi was a polarizing figure to fans with his passionate displays and unwavering commitment to the cause. He was known for his fiery personality and on-field antics, drawing criticism for his confrontational approach. In short, he was a crash dummy. Despite his promising start at Arsenal, Guendouzi's time at the club was not without its challenges. As managerial changes occurred and competition for places intensified, the playing time became more limited. After a successful loan spell at Marseille, he was purchased by them, then subsequently loaned out to Lazio after one season. A France prospect for his national team, he declined joining the Moroccan national team after he was turned off by Herve Renard after his father met with him in 2017. Described as a deep-lying, hard-working central midfielder, like I said before, he's just a crash dummy. Rumors say he beat up Michael Arteta, and we do know he does take MMA classes. Matteo has won an FA Cup with Arsenal and a Nations League with France. The fourth player on the list is none other than Ismail Ben Nasser. Born in 1997 to a Moroccan father and an Algerian mother, Ismail Ben Nasser is one of a kind. Arles was his first academy team before Arsene Wenger saved him. Facing competition for places in a highly competitive environment, opportunities for first team football at Arsenal were limited. Once again, same thing that happened to Gunduzi. It prompted Ben Nasser to seek a new challenge and further his career. He made zero appearances for Arsenal being sold to Empoli. In 2017, Benasser made his move to Empoli. They were in Serie B and it was a turning point in his career. As he flourished in their midfield, showcasing his ability to control the tempo of the game, dictate play, and break up opposition attacks with his tackling and interception skills, his performances were instrumental in helping them get a promotion to Serie A. In Serie A, he continued to excel against some of the best teams in Italy. Benasser's play style is characterized by his composure on the ball, his ability to maintain possession under pressure, and exceptional vision to pick out teammates with accurate passes. He has a relatively slight build and needs to hop on that boiled egg movement. He possesses a tenacity and determination that betrays his stature, often winning tackles, duels through determination and pure anticipation. 
Benacer's performance at Empoli caught the attention of top clubs across Europe, and in 2019, he earned himself a move to AC Milan. He continues to play there today and remains an integral part of the team's midfield. Benacer made his senior debut for Algeria in 2016 and has since then represented his nation at three editions of AFCON. They won the title in 2019 and he was named player of the tournament. Although he previously represented France at the youth level, since he made no senior appearances, he was able to make the switch. Some rumors and reports say that it was between Morocco and Algeria and that it even caused some strife and problems in his family between him and his father, but me personally, I don't believe that. Algeria had a stronger team at the time, so I think the decision was clear. At the 2019 AFCON tournament, Benacer helped Algeria to their first title in 29 years, finishing the competition as the joint top assist provider alongside Frank Kessier with three assists. Benacer has won a Serie B with Empoli and a Serie A with AC Milan. For Algeria, he's obviously won the AFCON tournament as well as individual best player of the tournament. And at number 5, arguably the most successful player on this list, Sakina Qarshawi. Born in 1996 to Moroccan parents, Sakina started her academy career with Montpellier quickly rising through the ranks. Showcasing her defensive prowess, pace, and technical ability, she was able to quickly make a one-year pit stop in Lyon before settling down in PSG. Qarshawi's breakthrough on the international stage came at the 2017 UEFA Women's European Championship. She played a crucial role in France's run to the quarterfinals, and her exceptional performances at left-back earned her widespread acclaim and established her as one of the brightest defensive talents in women's football. Qashawi's playstyle is characterized by her athleticism, intelligence, and versatility. As a left-back, she possesses the pace and defensive instincts to stop opposition attacks, while also possessing the technical ability and crossing proudness to contribute to her team's attacking play. Sakina's ability to read the game, anticipate opposition movements, and make timely interceptions have made her a formidable presence in defense. She played a key role in France's campaign at the 2019 FIFA's Women's World Cup where the team reached the quarterfinals on home soil and in the 2023 Women's World Cup she played 90 plus 1 and defeated Morocco in the round of 16 in what was Morocco's first ever appearance in the World Cup. Known for her exceptional skills, versatility and tenacity on the field, Marshawi is on the journey to becoming one of the most promising defenders and inshallah a go to the game. Thank you all for giving me your time on this edition of Simo Speaks and I hope to catch you on the next one.